Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. I'm here with my trusty sidekick, Pastor Merritt. Today we will be continuing the study of the book of Daniel. We will be on lesson number four, which is on the outline. Uh, but before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1, 9, as may or may not be necessary. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to name, name our sin back to you and thus be filled with the Holy Spirit and become teachable. So guide us and direct us now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Last week, I continued the introduction to the book of Daniel and at the end of Lesson three, I was teaching how the destruction of Judah was accomplished by Nebuchadnezzar or Nether in three stages. Before continuing this study, let's do a short review. The historical background of Chaldea might be an excellent place to start. 1 1 in 625, Nebuchadnezzar suddenly appeared out of nowhere. He organized scattered forces and took over Babylonia, which was then under the Assyrian rule. Before the arrival of Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldeans were divided into five main clans with their own clan chieftains. Nebuchadnezzar pulled the Chaldean clans together into what would become a world empire. During the struggles with Assyria, Nebuchadnezzar united with Cyaxerxes king of Media, and the Scythians for a final assault on Nineveh in 612 B.C. Excuse me. <clears throat> on 612 B.C., the Scythians, Scythians, that's a tongue twister, David. Mm-hmm. According at least to Whitcliffe in his Bible Encyclopedia, were. All right. First, horse riding nomadic tribes, first traced in Central Asia near the border of Siberia and Outer Mongolia. Frozen burial chambers built about 500 to 300 B.C. revealed their characteristic art, customs, and possessions. The Scythians are first mentioned in the Old Testament as Ashkenaz. They descended from Japheth when they tried to move south of the Caspian Sea 
They were checked, however, by the Assyrians. The Scythians were strongly influenced by the culture of Iran today. Many refer to it as Persia. And it is now generally agreed that the Scythians' language was an Iranian dialect. According to Herodotus, the Scythians swept down from Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia is that land located between, between the Tigris and the Euphrates. The time of this sweeping was approximately 611 B.C. They subsequently remained in West Asia for 28 years. It has been argued that during this period they sacked the temples of Venus at Ashdod and settled in Beth Shion, a fortress city guarding a Jordan crossing. It is called Sethopolis in Judges 127. The Septuagint and 2 Maccabee 1229 and was located just east of Mount Gilboa. It is thus assumed by some that it is this Scythian foe which is described by Zephaniah and Jeremiah. The warlike Scythians are described as barbarians in 2 Maccabee 4.47. By 110 B.C., these nomadic horsemen had settled in the Crimea, a Black Sea Peninsula, and traded with the Russian, uh, what Russians were located on the steeps of their southern plain, traded with them in grain, horses, and slaves, intermarrying with Greeks. In Colossians 3.11, Paul either cites the Scythians as typical barbarians or refers to them as a well group of nomadic freemen. Several years later, probably around 610 BC, Egypt wanted to become the dominant force in the Middle East, so they challenged the Chaldeans. At the Battle of Carchemish, the Egyptians were thoroughly defeated by Nebuchadnezzar, son of Nebuchadnezzar. David, you take over, if you would, please. 
with the little Cambridge Ancient History. The Cambridge Ancient History has this to say of Nabopolassar's son, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, son of Nabopolassar, succeeded his father as the ruler of the Chaldean Empire. Nebuchadnezzar was a vigorous and mentally strong man. He was to become the greatest man of his time, a statesman, architect, and soldier. He married a Median princess, Amia, daughter of Sarexis. It was for his wife the famous hanging gardens were constructed. His reign of some 43 years was one of the most glorious in the history of Babylon. To avoid confusion, confusion, one must be aware that there were three invasions of Jerusalem by the Chaldeans. We've earlier mentioned that these, but let's review it again. In 606 BC, after Nebuchadnezzar's stunning victory over a Syrian-slash-Egypt coalition, he besieged Jerusalem for the first time. On this occasion, Daniel was taken into captivity. In 597 BC, there was a second invasion and siege of Jerusalem. At that time, the prophet Ezekiel and Jehokim, also Kaniah, the king, were numbered among the captives taken to Babylon. Following the deportation of Daniel and the other hostages, Jehokim's allegiance to the Chaldean Empire continued until B.C. 597. With the backing of a pro-Egyptian religious leader, leadership cadre, Jehokim revolted against Nebuchadnezzar, this despite various warnings from men like Jeremiah and Isaiah. Nebuchadnezzar returned a second time to Jerusalem in 597 B.C., where Jehokim died during that siege. Nebuchadnezzar had Jehokim's body cut into pieces and strewed outside the wall of the city. Just as Jeremiah had prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. They read, Therefore, this is what the Lord says about Jehokim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. They will not mourn for him. Alas, my brother, alas, my sister, they will not mourn for him. Alas, my master, alas, his splendor. He will have the burial of a donkey, dragged away and thrown outside the gates of Jerusalem. After the death of Jehokim, Jehochin, also called Kaniah in Jeremiah 22, 24, and 28, and Jeremiah 37, 1, and Jeconiah in 1 Chronicles 3.16 and Jeremiah 24.1. His son was placed on the throne for about 100 days. Jeremiah 22.24 As surely as I live, declares the Lord, even if you, Kaniah, son of Jehokim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my right hand, I would still pull you off. Verse 28 is this man, Kaniah, a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his seed? And are they cast into a land which they know not? 
Jeremiah 37.1. And King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Keniah, the son of Jehokim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. First Chronicles. And the son of Jehokim, Jeconiah, his son, Zedekiah, his son. And then 2340. And I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. Jeremiah 24.1, the Lord shewed me and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After that, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehokim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah, with the carpenters and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. Matthew 1.12, after the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel, the father of of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, Matthew 1.16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and whom was born Jesus, who is also called Christ. When Nebuchadnezzar took the city, he removed Jehokim from the throne and replaced him with Metaniah, another son of Josiah, and changed his name to Zedekiah, and the king of Babylon, named Madaniah, his father's brother king in his stead, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Keniah, together with his mother, his wives, servants, and princes, were taken to Babylon as a captive. There he remained in prison for 36 years, until the death of Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah 22.30 records the curse of Keniah. This was based on the evil he did. God promised that his seed would never reign on the throne of Judah. And that's Jeremiah 22.28 through 30. Is this man, Jehokim, a despised, broken pot, an object no one wants? Why will he and his children be hurled out, cast into a land they do not know? O land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule any more in Judah. Second Kings 24, 8 and 9. Jehokim was 18 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. And his mother's name was Nehushtah, the daughter of El Nathan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all this his father had done. This explains why Joseph, who was of Coniah's seed, could not be the natural father of Jesus, 
although he was the legal father descended from David. Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem a third time. After a siege of 18 months, the city was completely devastated in 586, and the third deportation took place. That was the beginning of the fifth cycle of discipline for the southern kingdom of Judah. Zedekiah was talked into rebelling against Nebuchadnezzar, bringing upon the city its absolute destruction. The horrific exiles just listed were a product of divine discipline. Israel repeatedly worshipped false gods and failed just as often to heed the warnings of God's prophets. It is beyond our study to detail the many warnings to Israel to return to the worship of Jehovah and avoid the perils of idolatry. There were several serious warnings of the discipline to come by prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and others. Ezekiel was a contemporary of Daniel, who at the time of Daniel's deportation in both B.C. remained in the land. As he finally taught Judah, he too warned of events to come. Ezekiel 14, verses 1, woe through 14. Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. When any Israelite sets up idols in his heart and puts a wicked stumbling block before his face, and then goes to a prophet. I, the Lord, shall answer him myself in keeping with his great idolatry. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel who have all deserted me for their idols. Therefore say to the house of Israel, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Repent, turn from your idols, and renounce all your detestable practices. When any Israelite or any alien <clears throat> living in Israel separates, excuse me, <clears throat> separates himself from me and sets up idols in his heart, and puts a wicked stumbling block before his face and then gives to a prophet to inquire of me. I, the Lord, will answer him myself. 
I will set my face against that man and make him an example and a byword. I will cut him off from my people. Then you will know what I am, that, that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is enticed to utter a prophecy, I, the Lord, have noticed that a prophet and I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people, Israel. They will hear their guilt. The prophet will be as guilty as the one who consults him. Then the people of Israel will no longer stray from me, nor will they defile themselves any more with all their sins. They will be my people, and I will be their God, declares the Sovereign Lord. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, if a country sins against me by being unfaithful, and I stretch out my hand against it to cut off its food supply, and send famine upon it, and kill its men and their animals, even if these three men, remember David, we saw this once before, mm -hmm. Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. They could save only themselves by their righteousness, declares the Sovereign Lord. Later, Ezekiel will be taken captive in the second assault on the city by Nebuchadnezzar. And even from Babylon, he will continue to warn those still living in the land. Often men of genius do not receive public recognition until a few generations lapse. But the people of Daniel's day recognized his greatness. Four great races of people considered Daniel an outstanding hero. While still alive, the Jews, the Chaldeans, the Medes, and the Persians. He was a born-again believer and unlike the majority of national leaders, both then and now, he did not compromise any of his principles. Daniel was a great man of God, and as a result of his faithfulness, thousands upon thousands have received blessings as a result of his adherence to the principles of God. Well, that's the end of lesson four. Pastor Merritt, could you close us in a prayer? Sure. Father, thank you for the privilege of being introduced to Daniel, a wonderful prophet who we will see much about as we continue our study of the book of Daniel.
For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anyone listening without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, at this time in the privacy of your own heart, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Thanks for being here. Until next time. So long.